Good morning. We're going to have an opportunity to reflect on the, on the gospel lesson that we just heard as we reflect on the, the king's invitation. And I'm going to encourage you to do uh, a couple of things. If you have either the Bible app on your phone or if you want to grab the book, the Bible that's in the rack in front of you, uh, if it's in the rack in front of you, it's on page 827. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. It's an interesting parable uh, that comes uh, right in Holy Week in Jesus' ministry. And there's a handful of words that are read uh, that can leave us in 2023 uh, scratching our head a little bit. And that comes towards the end uh, when the man is met by the king and then kicked out. Uh, and we're going to get into that uh, towards the last uh, third of the message. But let's go ahead and let's reflect on Matthew 22. Again, page 827. So Jesus speaks to them in a parable. All right, who's, who's the them? Well, it's, it's Holy Week, and, and we heard last week, as Pastor Brad did the last half of this chapter, that, that Jesus is actually talking to Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, uh, and people who should know that he is the Messiah. But the people, the religious leaders that should know that he is the Messiah, um, are frustrated, fed up, and they want to see Jesus Eliminated. They used to hide this, but now at this point in Jesus' ministry, uh, a handful of days before he goes to the cross, they're being bold, brash, they're dis- devising evil schemes, anything they can possibly do to do away with Jesus because he's a threat. He's a threat to their power, he's a threat to their status, he's a threat to anything that they hold dear in their way of living life. And whenever you threaten someone's way of life, uh, they want to push back. And so here we have these scribes, these Pharisees, these people who should know who is standing before them, uh, basically wanting to do Jesus harm, and he knows it, and he's calling him out on it. See, a lot of the times, Jesus will, will use a teaching to, to speak a particular truth, and sometimes it's a far-off thing that people can anticipate. Here in verse 2, it says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. Well, okay, are we supposed to look at this as like, oh, this is what heaven's going to be like? I don't think so here in this case. Jesus is speaking to those that mean him harm, and he's basically telling them that they're judged right here, right now. You should know who is there, who's standing there. And so he says this, there's the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a certain king who gave a wedding feast for his son, who's the king. God the Father Almighty, the one who created, who made all things. He's the king. He sent his son, the Messiah, who's standing right in front of you. And that son, that king, is inviting you to a wedding feast. The, God the Father Almighty is saying, do you see my son? He's going to be the one who is the heir and parent. He's going to rule over all things. Do you see him? How are you going to respond? He's inviting you to the wedding feast and all that is going to become and shower upon you. And so he's telling the, the Pharisees this. And as the parable continues, he says, go out and call those who were invited to the wedding feast and what's their response? They would not come. So those that should know the Messiah is standing there and is receiving an invitation directly from him and should respond to him are not coming. And then we get a little bit of grace. Right in verse 4. 
The king sends out other servants. Tell those who were invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves. They've been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come, come to the wedding feast. The king is basically going like this. Look, I'm giving you the choices of me. So this feast is going to be amazing and it's all to celebrate the work that my son is going to do. Will you come and participate? Will you come be a part of it? You're my subjects. And the king's subjects basically say, "Ah, one goes off to his farm, another to his own business, and in verse 6, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. This way of living, this way of acting, has been part of the Hebrew people's life, God's children's way of life from the time of Moses. They get in their head a way that they want to do things. They maybe not see God the way that he should be manifesting himself. Uh, Maybe they want to live life their way. Uh, and, And so they start to attack the ones that God sends. And they treat them shamefully. And that could be some of the prophets. And at some point in time, God's people end up seizing the prophets and killing them. And then we see right here in Holy Week, Jesus saying, I know what your heart is. I know you intend me harm. And people try to seize him and see him killed. And he actually is killed. And what does that incur? And what does God do in response to the way his people are acting? Verse 7, it says the king is angry and he sends troops to destroy the murderers and burn their city. This parable that Jesus is communicating to the Pharisees, those that should know better, actually becomes a truth in the year 70 AD, when God uses an emperor named Nero in Rome to judge his people. The the city's burned, uh, Jerusalem's destroyed, uh, and God's using an army uh, in judgment here. The king's angry at the lack of response to the Messiah. And he's basically saying, listen, I, I'm sent my son on your behalf and all I'm asking you to do is respond to his work. So for us in 2023, what might that mean? Well, there's people that could care less about what God has done, specifically Jesus, right? Whatever. And so they, they just go about their own business, doing things the way they want to do it. Ignoring the invitation. Well, God is laying it out here for generation after generation that if you deny me, that if you reject me, there's judgment. Because he's the king. He's the creator of all things and we are his creation. And he's laying it out there. But here's something interesting. God is a God of hope. And God knows that hearts can be changed. And so now we have in verse 9 an invitation that's going out. And if this were to take place in 2023, you may see some of the faces that are going to be on the screen being invited. So verse 9. Go therefore to the main roads and invite them to the wedding feast, as many as you find. And the servants went out into the roads and they gathered all whom they found, both bad or evil, And good. Invite them to the wedding feast. And so they did. 
They found both bad and evil, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, as you reflect on what you're seeing on the screen, you may be shaking your head. Is God really inviting what we're seeing into a relationship with him? Is everybody welcome? That's what Jesus is saying here. Evil and good, bad and good, are all being invited by the king to receive and to celebrate what the king has come to do. And what a great and glorious thing he came to do because, you see, there's not a single one of us that are worthy of being invited. Every single one of us are evil because of sin, some way of us acting or behaving, and yet he sends his son our behalf to reconcile and restore the world back to him, and he invites us to respond to the faithful work that Jesus has done on our behalf, and he works faith in our hearts. How are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to the great work that Jesus has done on our behalf? And in this section of Scripture, there's another section where there's judgment taking place. It says in in verse 11, But the king came and, and took a look at the guests, and he saw a man there who had no wedding garment. What? And the king says to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him to the outer darkness, and in that place there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the part where it gets a little weird for us in 2023. What if if it was the only thing that the guy had to wear? The king's inviting good and bad alike, and, and, and he's obviously speechless. He doesn't know what to say. At least that's the way we could read the interpretation. But let me ask you this, especially to, to some of my kindergartners that I see sitting over here. Um, boys and girls, if the only coat that I had to wear at your wedding was this jacket, would you let me come to your wedding? Some of them are saying no. You're weird, dude. You got to stay far away. Do I look ridiculous? What if this was the only jacket the guy had to wear and he shows up and the king comes, come on, man, can't you do any better? Folks, it's not the outward appearance. It's not the garment. It's the heart, and we actually lose it in the way that it's translated here. The force of the message is not he was speechless like he didn't know what to say. It's more like he's silent and he didn't care who's asking him. He's basically being flippant to the king saying, hey, I'm here for the food. I could care less what you've got to do. It's a response to the king's grace and mercy. And the person doesn't want anything to do with the king or what he has to offer. And so he's basically being flippant. He's being silent. And so the king says, bind him because of his heart and throw him out into the outer darkness. You're going to reject me. I reject you. Now I'm standing up here looking ridiculous for another reason. To tell you a story of a good friend of mine that I just encountered when I was looking at Facebook the other day. So I'm wide awake at two in the morning on Tuesday and I don't know why 
I decided to grab my phone and go to social media. It's like bad. Don't go to your cell phone in the middle of the night because then you're wired, right? Uh, and so I'm, I'm scanning through Facebook, and I see a friend of mine that I used to work for back when I was in my 20s. She was my boss. And she's basically standing in this picture wearing a life jacket. And you know how, like, sometimes in Facebook, they have, like, these copy-and-paste paragraphs, and, and you're just like, yeah, whatever, and you want to just kind of scan through them? I, I, I noticed there was this great big long diatribe that she had posted underneath this picture, and I was getting ready to scan it, but there was something that caught my eye. She says, hey, I just turned this age. So she hit a milestone in her life, and she started to doing some reflecting. She said, I just heard, turn this age, and I'm lost. I've been lost for years, she says. She is literally in this picture wearing a life jacket, talking about being adrift, talking about being lost. And she talks about how in 2021 she lost her mom. And, and, and she goes on to share some other things and she asks the questions, where do you find hope? And there were 47 responses in the five hours that were after that post. One of them actually said this, I find comfort in the words that are the odds. And I'm like, What? And there were many more that said, hey, just be yourself, be happy. And there was one of the 47 verses that said, remember who you are in Christ. One of the many, many voices that she was getting that offered something that could truly anchor her. And I reached out and I said, hey, what are you anchored to? And I don't know if it's going to produce a seed of faith, and I'm not sure where she's at with it, but she was basically saying, I'm lost. Now I have a question. If she showed up looking ridiculous because she didn't know the culture or the customs to a Christian setting, would she be asked to leave because she didn't fit in? Folks, we should all walk around looking this nuts because we all need to be saved. We all need not a life jacket, that's going to get us through the storms of life. We need a Lord and Savior who came not with a flotation rescue device when the waves of life come crashing down on you, but his very blood, and he gives you his robe of righteousness. He gives you his life in exchange for ours. He lays his down so that we can have true life. And he's asking us to just simply trust in him. And that's what we get to do. We get to be an agent servants, if you would, just like the ones that God sent out there saying, hey, come on in. You know what? And there's going to be people that fit in and people that don't fit in, but God is saying, just invite them in. And he knows the hearts, and he can change and transform hearts through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he says, they have a place here. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we can go out into the world and show how beautiful it is to have a Savior. Amen. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.